We are back here talking some college hoops on Always Talking Ball. I am your host, Tyler Noe. On last preview episode, we outlined what you should expect from the ACC conferences and the Pac-12 conference as well. This time, we're going to get to Ken Palm's number four and number three rated conference in his preseason rankings. So let's just get right to it. It's the Big East, the home of the defending champion in March Madness. They come in this year number four in preseason Ken Palm conference ratings. But Danny Hurley claims that this is going to be the best conference in the country. He says it's not particularly close. So it's good to know. I see we're already hyping up conferences in order to get better seeds in March Madness. That's great. Could it be the most interesting conference in the country? Sure. They're very, very heavy at the top, but there are also a lot of bottom feeders in this conference, which we'll get to in a minute. But with that said, Sure, let's start with Danny Hurley and the defending UConn Huskies. They come in to this season, probably rated in the top five in most polls, but they lost a lot. They lost Adama Sanogo, Andre Jackson, and Jordan Hawkins, who were the unquestioned leaders of that championship squad last season. Donovan Cleegan comes back, but he's out right now. He's been out all fall practice. All preseason practice, he's been out with a foot injury. The hope is that he's back by the start of the regular season. That would be a huge boost for them. Tristan Newton and Alex Caraman are back as well, but who's going to step up and be the leader for this UConn team? It's got to be one of those three guys. They brought in a very feisty transfer from Rutgers, Cam Spencer, who was a thorn in the side of many Big Ten teams last season. He hit that clutch shot at Purdue last season to beat the Boilermakers. Freshman Stephon Castle is expected to start from day one. He's a 6'6 wing. He was a number nine overall recruit, tabbed by most as the newcomer of the year in the conference. UConn's got a tough non-conference schedule. They've got IU and Empire Classic to open up, and then they'll face either Texas or Louisville. they got Kansas on the schedule, UNC, Gonzaga, so they're going to be tested before they get to Big East play. Now, the team that most are picking to win the conference, if you're not picking UConn, you're picking Marquette. And this is after last season when... Most of the media had them picked to finish ninth. And all they did after that was win the regular season and Big East tournament championships. This season, they've got 85% of their team's minutes returning. Headlined by conference preseason player of the year and preseason All-American Tyler Kolick. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with on the outside on the perimeter for most teams. Cam Jones is also back. Very talented player as well as Oso Ugadaro, who might be one of the best forwards in the conference. Marquette in the non-conference, they get the Maui Invitational matchup with UCLA to start off with that we mentioned on last episode. Illinois in the non-conference, their annual you know rivalry with Wisconsin, they get to play Texas, so they're going to be tested as well. A lot of these Big East teams are testing themselves at a conference before they get to conference play. Creighton was one free throw away from the Final Four last season. But this could be the year that Greg McDermott's squad finally breaks through. Back to lead the Blue Jays is Ryan Kalkbrenner. He averaged 16 points, six rebounds, and two blocks per game last season. And, I mean, in my opinion, he's the biggest threat to Tyler Kolick for player of the year. He lost a little bit when Ryan Nimhard transferred to Gonzaga, where his older brother played and his older brother's now in the NBA. That only opens up the door for Trey Alexander to be more of a contributor. Along with Baylor Shireman, there may not be a better trio of starters in the Big East. And they also got a huge transfer from Utah State in Stephen Ashworth. That is, as far as new faces and new places goes, that's a name that you're going to need to know early on in the season. He is going to be very, very good for Creighton this year. 
Done, not a very challenging non-conference schedule for Creighton. You know, only Alabama is on the on the schedule as a top matchup. Credit to Greg McDermott, though. He made the best of what he's been offered, and they go they go on the road to play Oklahoma State and Nebraska. So there'll be good road tests before conference play. And ultimately, you know, you got to see how your team plays on the road. I think those matchups are probably more important than, you know, these neutral site big matchups with big brands. So credit to Greg McDermott for that. He's always a great coach, and he's eventually going to break through one of these days. As far as any other teams, Villanova is probably the only other team that could conceivably win the Big East. Kyle Neptune took over for Jay Wright. He had a rough debut season, but primetime player Justin Moore is back, as well as low-post threat Eric Dixon. They got a couple good transfers in. I mean, TJ Bamba from Washington State's in. Hakeem Hart transferred over from Maryland. He just seems like a Villanova guy. And then Tyler Burton was hot on everybody's transfers list from Richmond after averaging 19 points per game last season. I think they're all going to come in. I think they're all going to be major contributors. Villanova in the non-conference schedule, they're in the battle for Atlantis that we mentioned last episode. Go back and listen to that. They play Texas Tech. You get Maryland in the non-conference, Kansas State, UCLA, so they're going to be tested as well. Props to a lot of these Big East teams for testing themselves in the non-conference. Last team I really want to talk about, you know, after having major success at mid-major Iona, unknown upstart coach Rick Pitino gets a shot at the big leagues finally, right? No, of course not. We know him as former Kentucky and Louisville head coach Rick Pitino, and he is back in the big leagues, this time at St. John's. He is orchestrating a Deion Sanders-like overhaul of the roster, and just kind of like with Colorado and football, no one is sure how this season is going to turn out for the Johnnies. The one guy that they wisely decided to keep was big man Joel Soriano. He averaged 15 and 12 last season for the Red Storm. Other transfers expected to have impact, I mean, probably the most immediate impact, are Denise Jenkins from Iona, RJ Luis from UMass, and then prize transfers. Everybody was after these guys, Jordan Dingle from Penn and Chris Ledlam from Harvard, a couple of Ivy League guys heading over to New York, playing at St. John's. St. John's, they're probably your best shot if you're looking for a dark horse at this conference. Right now, DraftKings has them at 13-1 to to win the Big East. In other news, Ed Cooley shocked almost everyone when he bounced at his cushy gig in Providence to go down to Washington, D.C. and take the job left by Patrick Ewing Jr. at Georgetown. But I'm assuming money had a little bit to do with that. I know the NIL collective down there at Georgetown is a little higher than Providence, and that was mentioned multiple times. Just feels like there's more opportunity for them there to get, you know, some of these guys. They have a little better facilities down there. So that rebuild at Georgetown, though, it's going to take some time. Cooley has said that multiple times. And he's leaving a guy behind him, Bryce Hopkins at Providence. I mean, he's probably the dark horse pick to win Big East Player of the Year. He averaged 16 points and eight and a half rebounds per game. I mean, he does everything for the Friars, and they're going to need him playing at his best if they want a chance to make it back to the big dance. Some of those bottom feeders we were talking about, Xavier is going to have a tough go of it. And that's basically because Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter, Sean Miller said he doesn't anticipate either of them will be available this season. They lost Sule Boom, Colby Jones, Jack Nungy, Adam Kunkel. And that's a lot to lose and to try to replace overnight. So, and then they're going to have a ton of freshmen on their roster. Sean Miller is a great coach. They went to the Sweet 16 last year. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough go for them. Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall, and obviously we know him from St. Peter's, and he's probably gonna pull a couple upsets, you know, in conference play, maybe out of conference too. 
Um, Butler, you know, right down the road from my house, Dad Mata is back in charge. Um, you know, last year, his only campaign finished below 500. And their entire roster has been flipped there. They are going to try to play spoiler. They played Michigan State in the non-conference. Uh, they got one of St. John's castoffs and Posh Alexander. But they're going to need to make strides on offense. They're going to have to get back to some of those Butler basketball days where they're knocking down some threes. They can beat the big teams. You know, they, they beat Xavier last year in a game I was at. And, um, you know, they can knock down some teams at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So it's going to be a good year in the Big East. Overall, it wouldn't shock me to see six or seven Big East teams in March Madness this year. So with that being said, now let's move on to the Big Ten. Conference I know a little bit about. They are third in Ken Pump's preseason conference rankings, and they are in the midst of a 23-year title drought. And no, Maryland in 2002 does not count. They were obviously in the ACC there. I have been on record, obviously not on a microphone, but with multiple people around me as to a couple reasons why I think that they are in the drought that they are in. First of all, it's the kind of players that they recruit. They don't recruit athletic players, in my opinion. They may recruit them, but they don't very, very, very rarely get them. So that's the problem. The second problem is they've got to do something about their officiating. And when it comes to January and you guys start watching conference games on ESPN and FS1, of course, Peacock this year, you will remember me saying their officiating is hindering them from having success in March Madness. The way that their officials are taught to officiate the game, the Big Ten is known for being very, very tough. They're a physical conference. They let the guys bang, and they just they go at it in the post. This is not how it is officiated in March Madness. Totally different type of basketball. Look at Purdue last year. They were a physical team. They had Zach Eady in the middle. Their guards, Braden Smith, they weren't the most athletic players. So they're just not those type of athletes. That are, I mean, none of those guys are going to do anything in the NBA. But no, that doesn't mean you have to have NBA type players. That means you have to play a different type of style when it comes to March Madness. And the Big Ten teams, after being officiated for 20 conference games, like they're officiated, it's just different. It's just different in the March Madness so please, when you're watching games in January through March, remember that. But as far as last season goes, eight of the 14 teams went to the big dance last season. That, that was the second highest percentage only to Big 12. Of course, Michigan State was the only team standing after the first weekend, and they lost in the Sweet 16. So now we'll get to the biggest disappointment, and I will do my darndest to be as unbiased as possible here. But Purdue was the number one overall seed, and they had Wooden Award winner Zach Eady, and they got embarrassed in the first round by Fairleigh Dickinson. There's not really much else to say about that. They were ran up and down the court. They could not keep up. The game was officiated differently. Obviously, everyone questions Matt Painter as a tournament coach. Regular season, not much of an issue there. When it gets to tournament time, he struggles. He's lost to multiple double-digit seeds. They lost to St. Peter's a couple years ago. He's had talented high seeds in the tournament. Hasn't been able to get it done. Had one Elite Eight run. It was a great game with Carson Edwards and UVA. Hasn't ever been able to get it done. So he's got his most talented team back this year. I mean, they're preseason top three in most people's polls, probably top five at least. So this is a big season for Matt Painter to see what, how they can respond from that embarrassment last year. But Zach Eady shocked some people when he came back to give it another crack. He's a seven foot four monster. He's just a pain for opposing offenses. He's a pain for opposing defenses. He recorded 27 double doubles last season. He averaged 22 points, 13 rebounds a game. 
And somehow this guy averaged 32 minutes a game. His conditioning for being that big is unreal. And the fact that either he does a great job of not fouling people being that big or the officials aren't calling it on him, that, that's up for you to decide. But he averaged 32 minutes a game, which having a guy that in the game for that long is huge. Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith were freshmen last year. They weren't very heralded recruits, but they lit it up. In the non-conference, they lit it up in the conference. And then when it got to tournament time, hit a little bit of that freshman wall, especially Fletcher Lawyer. Those guys figured it return and start. Braden Smith's going to lead the point. Mason Gillis is probably going to start. They're all going to have to make open shots that they're afforded by having Zach Eady get so much attention in the middle. He's a very good passer. He dishes it out on the perimeter. They were not very good at making shots. I think they were 291st in the country at three-point percentage. It wasn't great. Last year in the non-conference, Purdue was unbelievable. That's where they made their mark. They you know, had some solid wins over a lot of good teams. This year they get Xavier. They get Gonzaga in the first round of the Maui Invitational. So then two more games after that. Alabama's on the schedule. Arizona's on the schedule. It's going to be another good non-conference schedule for Purdue this year. Also coming in on more preseason top 10 lists, it's Michigan State. They were the team who made it the furthest in the Big Ten last year. Um, and again, for the second year in a row, Tom Izzo is going the route of Dabo Sweeney in football. He doesn't have a single first-year transfer on his roster. Izzo's obviously hoping this works out a little bit better for him than it did Dabo. But they picked up huge recruits from, you know, with five-star Xavier Booker right here in Indianapolis down the road at Cathedral High School. And Cohen Carr, who's just an athletic freak. I saw him do a double pump dunk from the free throw line this past weekend when I was surfing the web. Unbelievable. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard are back. Jaden Akins, Matty Sissoko down low is back. Malik Hall, he is just an absolute agitator. He gets under the opponent's skin. He's back. They've got a very talented team. This team may be the Big Ten's best shot at ending that aforementioned drought we were talking about. Again, it kind of seems like a little bit of a lighter non-conference schedule for, for Tom Izzo. They've got Duke at the State Farm Champions Classic, uh, Arizona and Baylor on the schedule, but Usually you see those Michigan State teams just play five or six, just really, really tough games. So on, on the surface, it looks like, you know, just three or four tough games for them. Now the next four teams, obviously, you know, teams three through six in the conference, they could finish in almost any order. So let's go through them. Illinois, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s back, Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger, they're back for Coach Brad Underwood. Outside of Zach Eady, Terrence Shannon was the Big Ten's leading scorer. He had 17 points per game. On their non-conference schedule, they got Marquette in Tennessee and they got FAU who the AP poll may be overrating a little bit based on their run to the Final Four last year. Nonetheless, FAU is returning a lot of starters, so that's going to be a good game. No early season tournament for for the Illini, which is, is interesting. Maryland, Jameer Young, Dante Scott, Julian Reese, who was a really talented freshman last year. They're back from a team that was bounced by Alabama in the tournament last March. Kevin Willard, head coach at Maryland, really good head coach. He convinced Athletic 3 to Jordan, Jordan Geronimo to transfer over from IU. Uh, he'll have a chance at early minutes after Hakeem Hart transferred to Villanova. So Villanova's on the schedule. UCLA's on the schedule. They get IU early in December. It's going to be a good first couple months for Maryland. Wisconsin struggled big time at the end of last season. They lost 11 of their last 17 conference games. Poor offensive production just did them in. Uh, Wisconsin's never been known as a high-powered offensive, you know, powerhouse except for those teams with you know frank kaminsky obviously went to the national championship they're going to need tyler wall to return to form on shooting he needs to get back to a couple years ago when he was above 50 percent shooting and obviously they're going to need a lot more you know 
production from other players. They're non-conference. They get Tennessee, Virginia, Marquette, Arizona. You hear Arizona a lot on this. Arizona's playing a lot of Big Ten teams, a lot of Big East teams. Arizona's got a very tough non-conference schedule. And lastly, we get to Indiana. This is a team I know a little bit about, okay? I'm an Indiana fan, first and foremost. You know, they lost Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis, and Jalen Huchifino went to the NBA. Uh, they had Tamar Bates. He transferred to Missouri. Jordan Geronimo, obviously, we talked about him. He transferred to Maryland. Most importantly for this program is they seem to finally have the right coach. Obviously, they had Tom Crean back, you know, a couple of years ago. Archie Miller came in, kind of thought he was going to be, you know, a turnaround type. That didn't go anywhere. A lot was said about Mike Woodson when he was hired in 2021, that he, he couldn't relate to college players. He wasn't going to be able to recruit. His system wasn't going to work in college, et cetera, et cetera. All he did last season was he brought in Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renew. They were two five stars, and he convinced Trace Jackson Davis to come back for one more season. And that proved very pivotal for Trace Jackson Davis and obviously for IU. They landed a four seed in the big dance, but they were bounced by eventual Midwest regional champion Miami. This season, they basically get back Xavier Johnson, point guard, after breaking his foot 11 games into the season last year. I don't think people realize how good Xavier Johnson is when he's playing and he's leading this team. And he's very old, very seasoned, probably 23 or 24 years old. I'd have to look that up, but he's a very good point guard. Top five transfer, Kalel Ware, seven-footer from Oregon. He's going to start in the front court with Renew. And then after Kyle Filipowski decided to come back to Duke, five-star recruit Mackenzie Mbako opened up his recruitment, and all Mike Woodson did was beat out Kansas for him. He just beat out Kansas for another five-star, Liam McNeely, who won't come in until next year. But the, the thing about Mike Woodson not being able to recruit, it's just not true. So along with seasoned vet Trey Galloway, this team's going to have a chance to be really good again this year if they can stay healthy. Um, if they end up losing Xavier Johnson or someone you know, that caliber to another injury, it's going to be tough. But it will be Mike Woodson's biggest challenge as a head coach yet to get this unit without Trace Jackson Davis on the team cohesive enough to compete against really good teams because they're going to have to do it very quickly. They get UConn in the Empire Classic, and they'll get Texas or Louisville after that. They go play a neutral site game at Auburn. They get Kansas as a return game in Assembly Hall on December 16th this year. That one should be wild. The stretch from December 1st to December 16th, when they play Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, and Kansas, that is when we are going to find out a ton about this team. Rounding out the Big Ten, obviously this team, this conference had eight, eight teams in the big dance last year. Northwestern was one of them. Boo Booey is actually back at Northwestern. He's the all-time leading scorer. Uh, if he matches you know, 17.3 points per game from last season, he's going to be the all-time leading scorer at Northwestern. They won a game in the tournament. You know, they're, Chris Collins, obviously a couple of years ago, he had a rough year, but he's been known to work some magic there at Northwestern. But Chase Adige is gone, so Boo Boo is going to have to pick up a little bit extra of the slack. They've got some transfers coming in. Chris Holtman's tenure at Ohio State, obviously, you know, they rattled off five straight 21 seasons before last season. And at one point they had lost 14 or 15 league games and they just weren't, they weren't looking good. They even had, you know, Bryce Sensabaugh is a really good player, just suing. So now Zed Key, Bruce Thornton, they're left to fix everything up. Jamison Battles transferred over from Minnesota, Dale Bonner from Baylor, Evan Mahaffey from Penn State. So looking to get, you know, some more obviously production from some of those guys to kind of build Ohio State back up and give them a little higher floor. Rutgers, it's always tough to play in the rack, but Caleb McConnell's finally gone. Paul McKay, he's gone. Obviously, Cam Spencer transferred. 
but Cliff Amarui is back. Rutgers is on a tear right now on the recruiting trail. I don't think that's really going to make an impact this year, but next year they could have some very good recruits coming in, so watch out for that. Iowa, Fran McCaffrey, the most angry coach in America. You know, he's used to having Luca Garza and Keegan Murray and Chris Murray. Now they're going to have to find someone else. Tony Perkins is back. Peyton Sanford is back. Patrick McCaffrey is back. But he's going to have to find some production to replace, and they're going to have to have a go-to option this year. Jawan Howard lost a ton of production. He lost Hunter Dickinson to Kansas. Top 15 draft picks, Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin are gone. And that's a lot of talent to replace from a team that missed the NCAA tournament last year, which if you want to go down that rabbit hole, we could talk about Jawan Howard's coaching with all that talent. He missed the NCAA tournament. Doug McDaniel's back. Namari Burnett transferred in from Alabama. But Jawan Howard has got his work cut out for him, obviously coaching this team and keeping his cool on the sideline. And then teams like Nebraska, one player to watch out for Nebraska is Casey Tominaga. And during the final month of the last season, he averaged over 20 points per game. He was shooting the lights out. Cornhuskers went six and three over that time frame. So if Fred Hoiberg and the Cornhuskers have any chance of breaking through, he's going to be pivotal. Aaron Euless transferred in from Iowa. So it gives them a little bit of a chance. Obviously, they've got home games against Creighton. I mean, Nebraska was a team who in the non-conference last year went to Creighton and won a game. So they've got the potential there. Minnesota and Penn State round out the Big Ten. Minnesota was 2-17 and 17 in league play last year. Micah Shrewsbury has gone to Notre Dame from Penn State. Mike Rhodes is coming in from VCU, bringing in a lot of VCU transfers and Puff Johnson. So it should be another great year in the Big Ten. And it should be another year where, you know, they're probably getting seven or eight teams, maybe nine, even nine teams into the big dance. But the question is, what will they do in March? This is the last year before realignment kind of takes over. They're going to add four more teams next year. So it's going to be, it's time to put up or shut up if you're the Big Ten. That's all we have for you today. Another College Hoops preview on the books. Next episode, we will get to the top two conferences in college basketball. And there will be no shortage to talk about when it comes to those two conferences. They are stacked mostly from top to bottom. There's a couple bottom feeders, but we'll get to all that and more next time on Always Talking Ball. Enjoy the rest of your week. Can't wait for the next episode. Let's go.